Good morning. You could turn me up just a little bit. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here. So glad that we're able to worship with you this morning. Um, God's going to do something in this room. God's going to do something in this room. Uh, for October, we started a new series. We've started a new series, um, and it's called Jesus, quotation marks, Jesus. And uh, you're like, what do you mean, quotation marks, Pastor? It's the name of Jesus. It's a name above every other name. Absolutely, it is. Um, absolutely, it is. And so before we get started, I just want to pray over the word and pray over the reading of the word. And if you guys can just join with me. Um, Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is in this room. And Lord God, we pray that your Holy Spirit moves in power wherever my voice may be heard, whether it be online, whether it be outside. We just pray that you continue to do a great work in this place as you've already done and as you're already doing. And so we just thank you, Lord. Lord God, pull away every distraction. We're at home or wherever we are, pull away every distraction, Lord God, and let all hearts be focused on you. In your name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. We start a new series this month called Jesus um, in quotation marks. And if you guys want to put up the background picture for it, that would be great because I wanted to show you guys something. Um, and if not, don't, don't stress out about it. Uh, we called it Jesus because I believe that in Christianity, especially Christians, I believe that we, a lot of us were taught Jesus from a certain perspective of theology or agenda. But very, not a lot of us have had an experience or an encounter with him. Right? A lot of us know Jesus from what we were taught. A lot of us know Jesus from what we, we have maybe even uh, uh, taken in as a church. But some of us, we've never had an encounter with Jesus. And so what happens over time is that we grow up with this perspective of Jesus that sometimes is not true or it's not a developed view of him, right? Sometimes we grow up and we learn things or see things or hear things about Jesus, and that um, applies to all that we know about Jesus. So on the screen, it's just, it's just like we, we begin to like form pieces of Jesus, and so we have all, all the things that kind of look like Jesus, and it's like, well, that kind of sounds like Jesus, and that kind of sounds like Jesus, and then we begin to paper mache and glue stick an image of Jesus, who, of what we think he looks like, instead of what he actually is. There are many believers who have formed their ideas or perceptions of Jesus through their parents, their church, their culture, their political affiliations, and sometimes go their entire lives of piecing together a Jesus that's not Jesus, and they don't have a true and living encounter with a true and living God. And so what happens over time is that as we put these pieces together, and as we try to, try to form Jesus, and as we try to do that with like, our, our, our ideas of him, we put them together and then we realize that, oh, this is the Jesus created in my image. And then we don't realize that when we create Jesus in our image, we, we've created an idol. I know I'm coming in your living room today. I'm, I just came in swinging and some of y'all like, this is not going to be a comfortable one. Um, it should it shouldn't, maybe. I don't know. But I want to let you, I want to, see, we're here today because I just don't want to tell you and break down and deconstruct the images and the ideas of Jesus in your head. I want to tell you who he is. And not from a place of like, this is who I think he is from my mind. No, no, no. We're going to talk about it from the word. We're going to talk about it from who Jesus says that he is. I believe we begin to form an image that looks like Jesus, but it's not him. I've been, anyone ever been told in their life that every great lie, every great lie has a little bit of truth in it? Right? Every great lie has a small bit of truth in it. When I was younger, when we used to lie to our mom, you, like, you learn how to bow-faced lie. Like, did you eat that? And you're like, no. It's like, yeah, you did. Or you eat that, you'll be like, now it's older. It's like, well, I ate a little piece of it. I really didn't eat the whole thing knowing you ate the whole thing. 
Every great lie has a little bit of truth in it. And I find that in history. When we don't do our research and we don't follow and we don't research on ourselves, that's just like sometimes we believe lies to be true. And sometimes that's fault of our own for being not going and doing the proper research and looking at it. And sometimes it is because we didn't take the energy to do it. And so even in the, in the, in the Jesus or, or the, uh, the image of Jesus that we build is so skewed and, and it's so um, um, driven by agenda that we end up, four things end up happening, I believe, when we build an idol of Jesus and we don't experience him on our own. Four things. That over time when tests and trials come, I always put them in these four categories, Right? When we don't have an encounter with Jesus, when we don't experience Jesus for ourselves, one, we find ourselves further from the real Jesus. That when we're presented, when, we, when we're about to have a, an, a, when we're presented with a true and living Jesus, we're like, what kind of God do you serve? You know, in this church, we don't run around. You could do all that hooting and hollering at another church, but that's not Jesus. Right? And so we begin to put parameters on God and we put, put, put parameters on Jesus and say, Jesus wouldn't do that. How do you know? He says, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And we know that Jesus just operates in holiness. We find ourselves farther. Point two, we cement ourselves with concepts of him and don't allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and uncover all that Jesus can be to us. We get so cemented in what we're told and what we're taught. We get so cemented in those things that if the Holy Spirit were to say, hey, I want to show you who Jesus really is, we're like, is this right? Anyone else ever get their paradigm rocked by the Holy Spirit? Right? Right? But what happens over time is like we believe a certain denominational preaching or we, we believe such an agenda-driven preaching that when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal himself to us, there's so much breakthrough that has to happen because we believe, we believe something that could, it's like, oh, only Jesus works in this way. But it's the Holy Spirit's like, listen, I'm God. I'm trying to reveal myself to you in a new and fresh way. And if you allow me to, I can change your entire life. I can change your entire thought. I can change your entire situation. But what's happened is you've been indoctrinated so much by things that may be true or maybe not true. Or you've been, you, you believe such a certain perspective for so long that I'm coming along and I'm trying to tell you something new. You ever try to tell someone to that person who knows everything already? You know how annoying that is? Oh, I know, I know, I know. No, you don't. You know, I've had to do that. Like I've had friends and, and, and even here, they're like, oh, I know, I know, I know. Well, if you know, then why'd you do it wrong? So you don't know. And so we cement ourselves with that and we say, oh, Holy Spirit, I know. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, you don't. Oh, I, I read this before. I've heard this message before. No, you haven't. Because if the angels can circle around all of heaven sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and they sing hallelujah on every rotation, trust me, you have not seen every perspective of God because it will blow your mind each and every time. Point three, we stop pursuing him because we're trying to perform under rules and not relationship and it becomes exhausting. We try to perform under rules and not relationship. Right? We begin to form this idol and this image of Jesus that's a performance-driven Jesus. He's, he's performance-driven, and so therefore, it's just like, well, I got to do this, and I, and I have to do that. And if I do this, and if I don't do this correctly, and if I don't do this right, then maybe he won't love me. And, you know, I got to do these things to be enough to Jesus. And that's not a Jesus that we serve. That's not a Jesus that I serve. He's not a performance-driven Jesus. Jesus is not some job that you clock in and you clock out. That's not what a relationship is. He says, I want to know you. I want to know you in your great times, and I want to know you in your broken times. But so many times the culture wants to show us that we serve a performance-driven Jesus, as if by the end of the year he's going to give us a, report, a performance review, and we're going to get blessings based on what we did. Isn't that an exhausting family? Right? Isn't that exhausting? Yeah. Imagine if we served a Jesus who was just like, all right, well, you know, 
you did this right, and you did this right, and you completed these forms right, and you served this person, and so a blessing for you, a gold star for you. That's not the Jesus that I serve. That's not a Jesus that we serve. And number four, it says we end up, and this is, and this is what happens over time when we serve these idols, right? When we, when we create idols of Jesus, of, of, of our personal Jesus, and not we create him in our image and not allowing God to create us in the image of his son, this is the fourth thing that happens. We end up despising Jesus because what we read about him and what we are taught about him don't align together. It doesn't align. How do, how do you know that? Look at everything on Facebook. Look at everything on social media. Look at everything in the world today. We read about Jesus. We read about him. We experience him in the scriptures. And we see this man in the scriptures. But then what happens is that what we're taught by our parents, by our pastors, by people in the church, and then what we see them say online and what we see them say on social media and what we see them say in their daily lives, you're saying, wait a minute, the Jesus that you read and you talk to me about, it doesn't look like, you don't look like him. And so we end up hating Jesus. We end up being so frustrated with God in the Bible. We end up being so frustrated because we're looking around and we're like, well, didn't you tell me to love my neighbor? Didn't you? You preached on that. You said love your neighbor. Then why do you hate this person because of certain lifestyle decision? Ooh, I know. I know y'all quiet. I know y'all quiet. Y'all like, I shouldn't have came to church today. I, sh I should have just watched this online because I could have skipped somewhere else. But you're here. I got you. You're going to get this word. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be convicting. It's going to be life-giving. But at the end of this message, you're going to experience Jesus. Amen? If y'all ain't come here for Jesus, I don't know what you came here for. Because that's all y'all going to get. But that's what happens. We end up despising Jesus. We end up um, um, not liking him because we see all these things going on. We see everything that people claim is Christianity, right? We see Christians. But you guys have to understand that people who claim Christianity and don't live like Jesus, speak like Jesus, they have built Jesus in their own image. So their Jesus says yes to what they're saying. But yet the God of the Bible is standing in heaven. He goes, no, I said love your neighbors. But, but they're different than me. No, no, no. I don't, I don't care if they're different. I told you to love them. But they, they, they vote Republican. They vote Democrat. I don't care what they vote. I told you to love them. Matter of fact, I told you to walk the second mile with someone you may not agree with. But, but they, they, they live a lifestyle and, and they do this and they do that. And, God, and Jesus just sits in heaven. And he goes, man, while you were yet a sinner. While you were yet a sinner, I, I, I died for you. And I believe that right now, and so today, I know where there's a lot of things going on, but I want to, in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, I want to deconstruct the idol of Jesus that you built, and we want to restruct or construct, excuse me, the all that Jesus is in the Bible, the man that is in the Bible, the man that says, hey, when I die, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so that he reveals himself to you, and as he reveals himself to you, you're going to get closer and closer to me, and so, because I I don't want to. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a Christian. That's a culture Christian. I don't want to be a Christian that falls under. Oh, you're a Christian. You must believe in these things. I don't want to be a preset Christian, and I won't be a preset Christian. I'm gonna be a Christian that follows every word in the Bible, right? I'm gonna be a Christian that when I read my word and when I pray, I'm gonna look like Jesus. And everyone may not like me, but I'm gonna love everyone. I don't care if you don't like me. That's the God I serve. That's the God I serve. Jesus didn't get on the cross and say, oh, I'm only dying for a certain group of people. No, he's like, I'm dying for all those who couldn't get in the presence of my father. That's what I'm dying for. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, are you guys with me? All right, all right. It says in 2 Timothy, this is Paul writing a letter to the church. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. I don't know if this is the last days or not. I know theologians and people want to be like, oh, we're in the last days. I Listen. He, let, me, let me make this little stop right here. Um, there are a ton of people who are like, we're in the last days, we're in the final days. I don't know that. Ain't nobody on earth know that. So why don't you, instead of living your life for the last days, why don't you just allow the Bible to live its life through you? 
right? Because if you just live your life according to the word, if you just live your life according to Jesus, you don't got to worry about the last days, right? There's so many people out there like, oh, you, we're in the final days. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. All I know is that he left me this word and says, hey, allow this word to govern your heart. Allow this word to change your life. And in that, you don't got to worry about it. But it says in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And I want to let you know right now, right there, that is the biggest lie. That's the biggest lie. Right. Girl, I know you with me. I know you with me. I know you with me. And so, and so it says we have a form of godliness but denying its power. And, and how many times as Christians do we see that in the world today? Oh, it's a full, but that's a lie because every great lie has a little bit of truth in it. There's a lot of Christians who have a form of godliness, but deny the power. That's why I live this life and I love the story of redemption and restoration because I believe there's a power in that. So for anyone who's far from Jesus, I believe grace is for them. I believe love is for them. No matter how far they are from Jesus, I'm like, come on, Jesus can change you. He can make you new. He's in, he's in restoration. He's in redemption. That's his business. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's why when people tell me, like, oh, well, you know, healings and miracles that was for a certain time in the in the bible and you know that was for a certain people i'm like oh word you're god since when when did you you think god is just sitting up in heaven and he's just like oh well i don't do miracles anymore it was just for a certain time i don't i don't do healings anymore i was like well you must have never met someone who who's been addicted and who's been set free then that's a miracle You've never met a woman who's been barren and can't have children, and now all of a sudden she's got three kids. That, that, that's a miracle. You've never, seen, you've never seen a healing happen where uh, I know a guy personally who's had cancer, and he's been cured of it. Like, oh, you, 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 you close your eyes when you walk outside? Because miracles are happening all around. Miracles are happening all around. I know they may not be great and you may not notice them the way you want to notice them, but I know I serve a Jesus who's just like, hey, uh, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit and you're going to do greater than me. See, you guys have to understand that the greater than me is still available for you. It's still available for you. That's what it says. It says, I think in order for us to truly understand and experience Jesus, we must deconstruct all of the ideas of who Jesus is and allow the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word to give us a revelation of who he is. Going to a place of transparency, getting to a place of saying, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you personally. So God, deconstruct every preconceived notion that I have from you. Deconstruct all of those things because I want to experience you. Jesus is in the business of experience. He's in the vein of experience. He loves to encounter his children. One of the greatest things as a father is when I get home and my girls run up to me and they're happy that I'm home. If I love that, and some of you guys are like, I don't know that, Pastor. I don't have any children. But if you have a fur animal, you know what that feeling is like. Dogs are just so happy that you're home. Cats are like, I'll get to you when I get to you. But they come eventually, right? I'm not hating on my cat people. I'm not hating on my cat people. It says, we're going to read in Matthew 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. I love this question. I love it. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's like, who? Who do, who do they say I am? In verse 14, it says, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, 
and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus asked his disciples, hey, who does the culture say I am? And they replied, you know, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're, you're, you're a good man. Some say this. In today's lingo, be like, well, some say you're a Democrat. Some say you're a Republican. Some say you're a third party. Jesus is asking his disciples, what, what, is the culture, what does the culture say I am? And that happens a lot today on Facebook and in Instagram. And I'm not knocking social media. I love social media. But I believe if you ever want to see the pit of things, you just go to Facebook and be like, how bad has this gotten? You go on Facebook for an hour and you're like, it's really bad. Jesus asked them, what is the culture? Who does the culture say I am? They say you're all these people. But then he makes it personal, right? He makes it personal. He goes in verse 15, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And he's asking Peter, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Father in heaven. See, Jesus said, I know who the world says I am, but who I am to you. And that's a question for everyone who's watching and everyone who's in this room and everyone who's listening. Jesus is asking you the same question. Who, I am, to, who am I to you? Not who, who am I to your mom or your dad or your grandfather, but who am I to you? See, y'all got to hear me when I say this. Jesus didn't come to be heard of. Jesus didn't come to be heard of. Jesus died and rose again so that he can be experienced. That's why he's asking the question, who am I to you? I'm not asking you who I am to, to your, your political party. I'm not asking who am I to your family or to the culture. I'm not asking. I'm asking who am I to you because I desire you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know what you think of me. I want to know how you view me. So who am I to you? Hold on, hold on. He says, who am I to you? Because I want to be someone to you. I want to be your father. I want to be someone you cling close to. That's who I want to be to you. I don't want to be. And, and listen, out the entire Bible, I feel like Peter always gets it wrong. And this is one of the few times he gets it right. Right? Peter is the kid that's always in the classroom to first raise his hand and get it wrong in front of everybody. That's who Peter is. Ooh, ooh, D, wrong. Put your hand down, you know. Yeah, many times I feel like Jesus had to be like, sit down, be humble. Um, but this time, in this one moment when Jesus asked him a personal question, an intimate question, he says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. See, some of y'all want Jesus to be revealed to you through a party or through an affiliation or through a relationship. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I want to be revealed to you through my Father. I want to be revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. The reason why some of us haven't experienced Jesus, and I'm not judging to say if you have or you haven't. But the reason why some of us haven't experienced Jesus is because it wasn't revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. That's why we still do the things we do and we say the things we'd say with no compassion and with no empathy. Because I feel like when Jesus reveals himself to you, you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't talk about my neighbor that way or say that about a certain group. Maybe I shouldn't do that. You know what? I was about to say that, but I just felt this conviction. If it's okay with you, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I would like to introduce you to Jesus. And I'm not talking about paper macheing and gluing twigs and stuff together like a third grade project Jesus made in my image. I want to introduce you to Jesus from the Bible and all that he says he is. Because Jesus tells you who exactly who he is. And so I want to introduce you to him. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that as I read these verses that you introduce yourself to everyone watching and everyone in this room and everyone listening. My hope is that me, through reading the scriptures of who Jesus is, that everything else that you were told about that doesn't align with this text and it doesn't align with the Holy Scriptures begin to, like, dissipate into nothing. Jesus... He was 100% man and 100% God. 
well, how could you be 100 of each? Wouldn't it be 50-50? No. He was 100% man and 100% God. He walked on this earth fully man because he bled fully man, but he operated in a godly and holy way. Paul says in his writing to, to the church in Philippians in the, in, in the second chapter, he says, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So if you ever hear any words out there that says, you know, Jesus was, uh, he was a prophet or, you know, he was a good guy or Jesus was, um, he was 100% man and, you know, he just operated in a godly way. False. See, you see that last one sounded kind of true? He was 100% man. He just operated in the godly way. No, false. He was 100% man and 100% God. He clothed himself in human skin and operated in the supernatural. Jesus says in John 8:58, this is the I got a couple names that he every I'm going to give you a couple things that he says he is so you can write these down. Jesus says before Abraham I am. Who is this Jesus? He said before Abraham I am. In John Eight, he, Jesus tells them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, Abraham was, I am. Why is that so important? Why does that matter? Because you have to understand in the book of Exodus when Moses is talking to the burning bush and when he says, well, uh, God, who should I say sent me? He's talking to them, who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them the I am sent you. So right there, Jesus, when he says, when he's talking to his disciples, he goes, I am. He's saying, hey, there's in heaven, there's a unity going on. There's a, there, there's a, a, a triune God going on. And before the creation of the earth, I was. Because we know in John, it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. And the word is God. And the word will always be God. And so he wanted to tell his disciples, hey, before the creation of Abraham, whom you guys consider great, I already existed. No one created me. No one thought me into their imagination. I exist outside the imagination and into the supernatural. I exist outside of time. I exist outside of your perception. So before you can try and quantify me and calculate me, I am. I was and I will ever be. This is Jesus. Jesus says... I am the bread of life. And in John, again, this is the, a lot of these verses are in John. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So he goes, I am before Abraham, before Moses, I am. And then he goes, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Because in that time, the diet was a little different. And so he goes, hey, if you're ever hungry and if you're ever thirsty, just know I can fill you. If you're ever without, I can satisfy you. This is who I am. I am the bread of life that whoever shall taste of me shall be filled. It goes with that scripture that says taste and see. That the Lord is good. Have you ever, like, I, when I was studying this, I was like, why would you say you're the bread of life? Like, why didn't you say, like, the fish, you know? Why didn't you say, no, he says, I'm the bread of life. I realize that anytime you eat something, it's an experience, right? Anyone ever ate some really good food, like a steak that was really good or something that you're like, Man, I, I know Jalen ate stuff. Me and Jalen go out and eat, and I know Jalen. We're like, we eat good stuff. But you eat it, and you're just like, man, that's, that's so good. And that taste triggers a memory. And that's why Jesus is saying, hey, taste 
and see that I am good. I am the bread of life. When you experience me, when you, when you have an encounter with me, you will never be hungry again. And I'm not talking about just the physical. I'm talking about the spiritual. Once you eat of me and drink of this bread, and, and, and we'll have communion later, and, and drink of the, excuse me, eat of this bread and drink of this wine, you will experience me to the fullest. I am the bread of life. I will give you life if you sit and, have, and just have communion with me. I will give you life. Jesus says, I, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not be in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not only will I fill you on the inside, not only will I fill you on the inside, but I will bring light to the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome the light. I will bring light to the darkness. I will bring light to your confusion. I will bring light to your addiction. I will bring light to your pain. I will bring light to your purpose. I will pull you from the darkness and I will give you light. And that light will guide you and I will always be with you. And guess what? With this light, it never goes out. It never grows weary. There's no batteries that need to be changed. There's no outlet you need to plug it into. I will light up your darkness. So not only will I fill you on the inside, I'm going to give you vision. Right? I'm going to give you vision. We know here that vision isn't what you see with your eyes. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed. I will give you vision. Jesus, in the book of John, he says, I am the door. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He says, I am the door. So Jesus again said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world and he is the door. See, as Christians, we have to understand that our job isn't to, isn't to, to hinder people or stop people from meeting Jesus. It's from saying, hey, I'm just, I'm just showing you the door. I'm just showing you the door. We need to be the best. We need to be the best. Um, what are those people who are in hotels? Valets ever. Spiritual valets. Just standing there and be like, sir, here's the door. His name is Jesus. Well, I can't go. Anyone ever hear this before? I can't go in the church. The building's going to fall on me. Ma'am, sir, it would have fell on a lot of us. Here's the door. Here's the door. But I think so many times in, in churches and in Christianity, we want to say, oh, you need to go get your life right. That's not what Jesus said. Oh, well, I don't know if I would go to church with that kind of attitude. Or I don't know if you, oh, you got drunk last night. We could still smell alcohol on you. Oh, you were sleeping around. You just, you doing your walk of shame to church. I'm coming in y'all living room today. Oh, you, 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 didn't you wear that last night? Oh, and you're coming into church. And, and some of us want to be, want to put a standard of how you should come into church. And Jesus is like, hey, move, move, get out the way. Get out the way. Move. Here I come. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Jesus has come unto me all who are hung, who hunger and thirst, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon thee. But so many of us want to put a preliminary stop in front of people. And say, oh, you need to get your life right before you come to Jesus. Or you need to dress right. Or you need to have the right attitude. Or you need to act a certain way or be a certain way. And Jesus says, no, no, no. See, they find their rest in me. Don't stop anyone from having rest in me. You need to get out of the way. See, this is why, like, and y'all could bring to mind whoever you want to bring to mind. This is why when celebrities just make a change and they come to Jesus, I don't understand why it's so polarizing in the Christian community. Someone is looking for rest. I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. And then when celebrities say, you know what, I'm going to change my life around, we're like, oh, well, we'll see, Pastor. We'll see what they do. It's not up to you. 
It was never a performance-driven thing. Give me one second. We want to we want to say, oh well, you can't. You well, they, well, we'll see how they perform. It was never a performance thing. Relationship with Jesus was never a performance thing. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Because we serve. See, that's our idol speaking. That's our idol speaking. Well, you know, we'll see what they do. Because guess what? The truth is, if our life was in front of a camera and our life was under a microscope and everyone saw what we did, I don't think we'd we'd follow Jesus anymore. And so for anyone who claims Jesus, I pray for them. God, bless them and keep them because Lord knows what they can do. Lord, keep them because their, their mistakes are magnified times a thousand. So thankfully, God, we have private lives. We can be like, oh, I messed up. Thank God there's no TMZ here to say anything. Why don't we create? See, and so this is what, like, you got to just kick over these idols in your life. We got to kick over these idols and say, no, no, no. Jesus said, come all to me who are weary and brokenhearted, and I'm going to give you rest. And so the same way we believe that for our brothers and sisters in Christ is the same way we need to believe that for those who are celebrities and have notoriety. We got to believe for them and say, Jesus, you know what? I can't be personally in their lives and I can't reach them personally, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray that you keep them and use them to be an example. Oh, that, that's changing a lot of things right there. A lot of Christians don't like to hear that. Well, they got, a, they, they got so much in life, I know, but Jesus says to whom much is given, much is expected. So let them get their expectation from Jesus. Jesus says, I am the door. We are not the bodyguards. We're not guarding people from coming into these doors like, is your name on the list? No, your name isn't on the list. No, that's not Christianity. That's elitism. I know. I'm sp- Some of y'all done changed the channel already. I know you did. It's okay. This, this gospel is going to get you anyways. So Jesus says our job is not to, not to stand there and, and check a list and say, oh, you're qualified to be a Christian or you're qualified to be a Christian and you're qualified to do this. Jesus says, no, no, I am the door. Let them come to the door. And so our job as believers is to say, listen, I know your life is a mess. I know you did your walk of shame to church. I know you're embarrassed of what you go through, but that's okay. Look, let me introduce you to this door. See, on the other side of this door is life abundant. You just got to open it. See, I, I'm going to stand out the way. I'm, actually, I already opened the door and God showed me my mess. So look, you don't got to see that. But come here. He's the door. He brings life. He brings peace. So go ahead. Go knock on the door. No, no, it's okay. I know. Don't walk away. I know you feel unqualified. Come back. I knocked on this door and I was unqualified too. I was a mess too. Come back. I just want to encourage you to go. Go ahead because this man can change your entire life. He changed my entire life. Matter of fact, I looked like you last week. Look at me now. I'm a little better. It takes time. Jesus says, I am... I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves and the sheep flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Oh, my goodness. If that is not a word for today. Right? If that is not a word for today, we see wolves coming and we leave and then the sheep scatter. But Jesus says, I don't run in problems. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. He says, the sheep know me and they know my voice. See, the hired hand, they'll scatter. Situations will come, problems will come, and you're like, what do you mean? Anyone ever been low before, depressed, angry, broke, you feel dejected, you made a bad mistake, and you realize all the friends that leave you, right, 
and all the people who say to be there for you. And Jesus says, hey, even in your broken and your nasty estate and the gross estate where you don't want someone to see, I'm the good shepherd. I will stand there with you and I will defend you and I am for you. And I don't care what names they call you. Listen to my voice. You are my sheep. Hear my voice. Don't go by what culture's telling you. I own you. You are mine. You have been redeemed and I will restore you. But Father, wolves are coming. That's okay. I slayed the cross. I slay another wolf. I needed a coat anyways. God, God will take the wolves of your life and give you a fur coat. That's just the way he is. I'm sorry, Peter, if you're watching this. I don't mean that literally. It's just. And you're like, what do you? Pastor, that sounds vulgar. He'll kill a wolf and turn it into a fur coat. He, has he ever turned your mess into a message? Yes, he has. Amen. He took a wolf and turned it into a fur coat. Ooh, y'all going to be on that one this whole week. Y'all going to be on that one this whole week. I'm like, yo, where did he get that from? Oh, my God. He'll take your test and turn it to a testimony. See, God don't let things go to waste. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to stay. I'm going to fight for you. And when people don't want to fight for you, that's okay because they're not strong enough to win this battle anyways. But I'm going to fight for you. Oh, you're going to try and fight for yourself? Go ahead. I want you to wear yourself out because at the end of you is the beginning of me. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. There are times in my life where I just got to put it all on God. You ever, anyone ever played poker or anything like that? Good, I haven't. But I've watched a lot of TV shows where they're like, oh, I'm all in. I put my chips, all my chips into the center of the table. I've never done that before. I eat all my chips. No, they put all their chips (laughs) in the center of the table and they're like, I'm all in. I'm all in. They put all their chips in. And Jesus is saying, go ahead, put all your chips in. You're going to lose. But when you lose, you're going to start seeing that I'm going to win. I win every time. I win every time. I own the chips. I own the table. I own the house. I own the driveway. I own the garage. What are you worried about? There's a power in redemption. There's a power in restoration. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am enough. And guess what shepherds do? They lead their sheep. But God, I'm scared to go over there. As long as Jesus, wherever, wherever Jesus is, follow. What does a good shepherd do? He checks. He checks for little mites. I I read a book about, like, it's a leadership book called The Way of the Shepherd. Um, It's a really great book about leadership. And every day what a shepherd does is before the sheep come in, it it checks its face for any bugs or uh, infections. And it checks the wool. And it pours oil on the sheep's face to make sure it's killing any... um, any like bacteria or any infections that may have happened. And a good shepherd does that for each and every sheep. Each and every sheep, he does that. And if you don't think our good shepherd ain't checking in on us for every moment, you've lost your mind. And he doesn't get tired. He doesn't see an infection go, oh, got to get rid of this one. He sees an infection, he's like, oh, I'm going to make this new. I'm going to redo this whole thing. Jesus says, I am the true vine. This is what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He is the true vine. That's what he says he is. He's like, you want to grow? You want to you see um, growth in your life? You want to start bearing the fruits of the spirit? You want to start operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you want to see supernatural things begin to happen in your life, you want to do that, be connected to me. Be connected to me. Because when you're connected to me, you're, co- you're not connected to a resource, you're connected to the source. You're not connected to that. He's like, connect to me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. You want to see healings happen through you? You want to see that? Say connected to me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. When rain comes, because listen, y'all, I've seen, like, I've had a branch fall on my house one time, and it was loud, and you wake up like someone's stealing something, like, (gasps) you know. But when it rains, branches just snap off and fall. 
And I wonder how many of us Christians, because we've been looking at Jesus from a, a bad perspective, the rain has come in our life and we just end up snapping off and falling. And sometimes when we fall, we cause damage, right? We've seen that in Memphis in a bad thunderstorm. Trees will fall, branches fall and cause this, this big damage on the house. And, and, and some of us, we're the same way. We're a branch that's been connected to this faulty tree or we haven't been really grafted and grounded in Jesus. So when rain comes and all kinds of weather come, we just kind of snap off and fall. And all on, on our way down, what happens? We bump into houses and people and property and things and we cause a lot of damage. But Jesus is saying, hey, for those branches who stay connected to me and they stay close to me, guess what? I'm going to make them new. I'm going to rejuvenate them. So when when the rain comes and the thunderstorms come, you don't have to worry and you don't have to fret because you're connected to me. So I'm going to hold you strong. I'm going to hold you strong. Yeah, it might be messy. Yeah, bark might fly off. Yeah, leaves may fall. It's okay. I'm just changing the seasons. Y'all going to get that one next week too. He was, oh, I get it now. He says, I'm the true vine. If you're disconnected from me, if you're, if you're disconnected from the vine, you don't have life. You can't bear fruit. You want to know if you're walking in God? Are you bearing fruit? Not literally. But are you bearing the fruit of peace, love, joy, patience, kindness? Are you bearing fruit in your relationships? Are you bearing fruit in your finances? Are you bearing fruit at your work? Are you bearing fruit? Do people come to you and are they extremely drained or do they come to you and feel nourished? And they're like, man, that was a, that was a great conversation. Something, something different about you? You got a glow to you. Did you do your hair? No, no, I just had an encounter with the true and living Jesus. When people who don't like you, when they see you, do they get angry with you because you're just, you just have this joy unspeakable in you? Why are they so happy? They know they broke. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her in John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I will bring you back from death, and I'm going to put a new life in you. I'm going to set you apart. So, see, I, I know we talked about and, and you're like, Pastor, that was last month's series. But he says, I'm the resurrection. I'm not just going to bring you back. To, I'm not going to make you a trophy Christian. I'm not going to save you and put you on the shelf and just dust you off occasionally. He says, I'm the resurrection. I'm going to bring you back to life. He's like, I'm going to resurrect you, and I'm going to bring you back to life. That means I'm going to resurrect you from where you were, and I'm going to set you apart, and I'm going to make you go out into the world and tell all the world about my son. Imagine if we, imagine if we just, like, as soon as we got saved, we died. Yes, Jesus, boom, gone. That's what some of us Christians really want, right? God, just take me to heaven as soon as I say yes to you. Why do I have to stay here? Because he's like, I got a work for you to do. I didn't just resurrect you for, just, for, just for fun. I resurrect you, and I'm going to put you to work. I've redeemed you, and I've restored you. I didn't just bring you back to life to look like a trophy Christian on Instagram. No, I brought you back to life because you got you to gotta love on the homeless. You got to care for the orphans. You got to hug on the widows. That's what I said to do. I, tend, I brought you back to life so that you can go out to the ends of the earth because guess what? What, Jesus? There's still people who don't know my name. I've redeemed you and I've restored you. Chrissy, if you don't mind coming up. And then as you guys have heard this before, or whomever's playing, I'm sorry. Jesus, this is, this is the last thing that I want to close with, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Who here was younger and confused life with light, right? 
that's okay. It's all the same because it's all Jesus, right? So it's like you ain't, you ain't saying it wrong. Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there he's restating, no one, I am the door. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. I am the way. I am the truth. See, y'all got to understand, that was a radical statement at that time. And you're like, how is it radical? Because in that time, and even in today's world, there's so many other little G-gods. There's so many other little G-gods that you can serve. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm drawing the line. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, crush your little idols. That's right. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. There is no way to the Father but through me. But I heard there's many ways to God. I am the door. But I heard you could eat this. I am the bread. But I, if I wander in darkness, I am the light. He starts drawing the line like, nah, I don't care what idols you have. I don't care what God you serve. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And if you want to see my daddy, you got to see him through me. Why was that so radical? Because in that time, it, he says, no, no, no. I'm going to cut off all these other theologies. I'm going to cut off all these other ideologies. I'm going to cut off all these other philosophies. Y'all didn't even know what you were talking about because I am the way. He privatized the way to the Father. How dare he? Because there are so many philosophies at that time that's like, well, if you want to experience God, you can experience him this way and through this way. And if you want to get to heaven, you got to do these things and you got to perform. And Jesus is like, no, 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 let me cut that off for you. Hold up. You don't got to do all that. I took that cross. I bridged the gap. I am the great I am. Before Moses, before Abraham, before um, all the Torah and the Pentateuch, I was. I watched the waters form. I watched creation come into life. I breathed my life into Adam. I breathed that pneuma into him. No, 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 you can't claim. Listen, we, I've said this before and I say it again. I am so tired for the universe getting credit for things that God is doing. I'm so tired of being on Facebook and saying, oh, the universe is doing this and the universe is doing that. Excuse me, my God holds, holds the whole world in his hands. There's no cool song that says the universe holds the whole. Nah, it says it's all in God's hands. I'm tired of people disqualifying my God and, and giving the creation the credit when the creator deserves all the praise. Cut that out. Give credit to my God. I don't believe in God. That don't matter. He still did it. I want to read something to you guys. I'm going to end on this. I'm not going to tell you where it's from yet. It says in, in, in this, it says, He grew up before them like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance were, were that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Look at that. Even these images of Jesus that we're used to seeing, he don't look like that. These are all renderings of what the artist thinks they, that he looks like. This, that's close, but that's not him. Because it says right here that there was no beauty or majesty to him that would attract us to him. I'm not, seeing, I'm not saying Jesus was ugly. But it said there was nothing special about him. He would have looked like a normal person. It says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and was held in him in lowest, was held in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. And he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor any deceit was in his mouth. Yet the Lord's will was to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. That was written in Isaiah. That's Isaiah 53. This was hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. And I read that and I was just like, well... I realize as Christians that if we can't identify with suffering, we can't identify with Jesus. There was no beauty or majesty about him. People probably ignored him. And in that moment, it says that he took on all of our sins and he was pierced for our transgressions. So the question I want to leave with you today before we take communion is, who is Jesus to you? Because I could tell you all the Jesuses that the culture is showing is not enough. Those Jesuses, they're not real. Those are counterfeits. They're going to break down. They're not going to be with you. But my prayer is that today and maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe this year that you experience a true and living God. That you have an encounter with Jesus that is like none other. How do I know Jesus is in the business of encountering? Because we all know Saul was a murderer. And then what happened? His whole life was changed on an encounter. And you, if you think, that, oh, that was for Saul, that was for that time. No, no, no. There are people in this room and all around who have testimonies of what they were. And then they had an encounter with Jesus. Before we take communion, I want to pray. Um, the scripture says that uh, if before you take communion, that to present yourselves, you know, go before God and ask for forgiveness and present yourselves holy and pure. And so I want to pray on communion and pray over communion. And Jesus, I, I just thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord God, for this holy word, Lord God, that we are being reintroduced to you. And Father, for any sin that we've committed, any wickedness in our lives, anything that, that would separate us from you, Lord Jesus, that you forgive us and, and, we, and we repent and we, we turn away, Lord God, from our wickedness and we renounce our old lives and we renounce our sins and we say sorry for sinning. Make us pure and clean in you, Christ Jesus. In your name, and everyone said, amen. All right, if everyone can open their communion cups. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus said, this is the bread of my body, which will be broken for you. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you do this, do this in, in remembrance of me. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're... Your body was broken for us, but Lord God, in that, you, you held your bones together. Not a bone was broken, Lord God. And so, Lord God, your, your body was beaten and hung on a cross for us. And so, Lord God, we take this bread in, in remembrance of you. Everyone take of the bread. On the same night that he was to be betrayed and turned over, he was with his disciples and he says, in this cup is the cup of my blood. It's a cup of the new and everlasting covenant. Every time you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. And so if you're listening or if you're watching online, no, we're not really drinking blood. We're not that church, all right? But what this is, is it's just juice. It's just a, it's symbolism of everything that God poured out for us. And we just do this in remembrance of him. So let's pray and then we'll take the cup. Father, we know that your, your blood was poured out for us and that is made new and it's made whole. 
And every time we drink of this juice, Lord God, it's a remembrance of the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Everyone drink of the cup. Before I come off of here, um, if you guys could just stand with me all together and then Tasha's going to give some quick announcements and then we'll close. If you're in this room or if you're online and you're standing with me and with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to offer you, I want to introduce you to Jesus. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I feel like you introduced me to a Jesus I've never met before, then this prayer is for you. If you're saying, Pastor, you're introducing me to Jesus and I've never seen him at this perspective, then this prayer is for you. And if you're saying, Pastor, I need a relationship with this Jesus because the Jesus that you talk about, is, it's, it's filling and it's giving me life. And I want him to be in my life. I want my life to be changed forever. Then with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to pray for you. You are in this room or you watching online or you listening outside. If you want to have a relationship with the Jesus that I spoke about. Not political Jesus, not white Jesus, not black Jesus, not, I'm talking about an encounter with the true and living God. Could you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I see 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 you. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, by the sound of my voice, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that they have a true and living encounter with you, Lord God. That today is not the day that they experience you, Lord God, but throughout this month and through this year, that they have an encounter with the true and living Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible, the one who loved his enemies, the one who cared for the homeless, Lord God. I pray that they experience you on such a personal level, Lord God. And not on a mental landscape, but in the heart, in their heart, Lord God. You said that you came to save their heart, Lord God, that they have a full experience with you, that Lord God, that their experience, you, you would change their life forever, that they would no longer be the same. So Father, have your way. Let them encounter you right now, through the week, through the month, Lord God. Let them have an encounter with you. We love you and thank you. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, you guys can be seated um, while we go through these announcements, but hasn't it been such an amazing morning in the house of God? I know I say that every week, but it's just, wow, it's just so amazing. And um, just worshiping together and then hearing that challenging word. I don't know about y'all, but I'm really excited about this series of just discovering who Jesus is and maybe putting away those concepts we've, we've thought of who Jesus is, but really just rediscovering him personally. Amen. Um, but one thing here at Pioneer, we just want you to get connected. We want you to be um, involved with the community here, um, whether it's your first time or you've come before and you've never filled out a Connect card, you can do that um, at our back table if you are here in person. Um, just drop it in the offering um, flower pot before you leave, fill it out. We just want to know who you are and get to know you um, on a more personal level. Um, but if you are watching online, you can fill it out on our website as well at pioneerchurch.com connect. Um, that way, like I said, we can know who you are and just uh, be involved with your life and get you involved with the community. Another way um, to connect is to get involved with our homesteads, which are our small groups. Um, we've been running them for a few weeks now, and we did change the day and time. Um, we're meeting now on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. We have two different small groups going. And it's in this building. We meet on the third floor. Um, so pioneering your finances and pioneering your relationships. This past Wednesday, we did pioneering your relationships. And it, it's just always a great time just getting together. Pastor Jeremy and myself lead that small group. And we're just sharing what the Lord has shared for us, the wisdom and everything. Um, and then this Wednesday is Pioneering Your Finances, and it's led by uh, Cody and his wife, Courtney. Um, the Beaumonts, they just bring the wisdom of what God has given them to steward their finances, and we just want to share that with you as well, to how, how to steward what the Lord has blessed you with um, and living that life of abundance and generosity. So if you want to participate in either of those small groups, you can sign up on our website um, at pioneerchurch.com slash small groups. Uh, but like I said, finance, the finance small group is meeting this Wednesday at six o'clock on the third floor. And it's not too late to sign up. You can still join the small group and all the materials are provided for you. Um, and then the following Wednesday will be pioneering 
during your relationships. Um, so you can sign up for that as well. Um, also here at Pioneer, we do believe in living a life of generosity and being generous with what the Lord has blessed you with. Um, and so we just ask that you give according to, you know, that obedience and obeying what God has put on your heart. And you can do that in several different ways. If you are here in person, we have giving envelopes on the back table. And I mentioned before, we have flower pots because we do believe in sowing seeds into the kingdom. Um, so you can do that if you want to fill out a giving envelope or you can do it on the website at pioneerchurch.com slash give. Um, you can also text the amount to 84321 and it will send you the information to fill out um, if you want to do reoccurring giving. Um, or if you're watching online and you want to send in something physical, you can do that to our PO box address. So everything should be listed if you're watching online on the bottom of the screen or it should be back here on the screens to give you all the information if you missed any of that. Um, but I think, is that all of the... No, one more thing. We believe in praying here. Yes. So we want to join with you in, in praying with you and standing, believing that God is going to work a miracle out in your life. So you can fill out your prayer requests on our website, um, or there's index cards on that table as well. You can fill it out or praise reports. Um, but on the website, it's pioneerchurch.com slash prayer. We just want to stand firm with you and believe that God is going to um, do what he said he's going to do in his word. He always comes through for his children. Amen. So we just want to partner with you and pray. And also also rejoice with you for what the Lord has done. Um, but again, it's just been such an amazing morning here at Pioneer, and we're just so glad you joined us, whether online or in person. Um, so I'm just going to pray us out, and then we're going to be dismissed. But God, we just love you. We thank you so much for this morning and the word that you placed on Pastor Jeremy's heart of discovering who Jesus is, not by any concept of our own mind, but by your word and the true and living word of God. Pray that we will just continue to discover who you are by this message and let it not stop here, oh God. Let us continue to, to pursue you and to find out who you are in your word throughout this week. And let us come back together next week ready to worship you as a community and just to dig into your word even further. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week at 1030. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.